Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. If you coach uh, younger athletes, what are your thoughts on balancing like some of the techniques and tactics that will make them successful that year at, you know, age eight or whatever, uh, versus stuff that would help them when they're older. Because there's in volleyball, for instance, there's things that would help you dominate as a 10 year old and that, you know, it wouldn't fly or be obsolete by the time you're 16 or 18. Yeah. And, and I think this is the, the writer, David Epstein has this great quote. He calls it the cult of the head start. Right. And then the example he uses, which I like is like, you know what, you can pour your heart and soul into teaching your newborn to walk at by six months old, but by one year, everyone walks. So what was the point of that? Right. And I think it's very easy to coach in a way that will help us win all our games at nine or 10, but it's not going to help us in the long term of preparing me to be a successful 16 year old player or 18 year old player. And so I think as a coach, you have to find the balance between, you know, what am I, what am I coaching for? Am I coaching to win today? And, and that's okay. As long as I'm not winning today by neglecting everything that will help them be successful in four years. Right. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? You can run plays or this right in basketball. It's like, you know, yeah, we, let's, let's take our eight-year-olds and full court press everywhere. Right. And, and we'll win all our games because that uh, team won't have the ability to get it out, but it's not helping them. It's not helping us. Um, you know, so, so I think we make decisions as, as coaches of what we're going to do. I think one of the biggest places we, we make those decisions also is around playing time, right? Like our kids going to get in the game or not. Mm-hmm. I've had my own kids in volleyball have a really bad experience around things like that, where, where, you know, they're on a top team, um, but one of the weaker players there and, and, and not get in even in a, you know, a three set match where we already won the first two. And so we've won the match and the coach was low. We're going to have to, we have to win all three sets. And so I'm still not letting your kid serve. I'm still not letting your kid in. I'm like, why? Like, what's the point? Like, she's going to quit next year, you know? And so what's your, what's your point in middle school volleyball? right yeah. to win all your sets like congratulations and you know a bunch of kids are going to drop off and yeah some kids who are good right now but are done growing they're they're not going to be around later on and you lost all these other kids who might have been good who just happened to be late developers or haven't put the time in on volleyball yet right that's yeah, a good good thing to keep in mind uh, so so if you are you know running a soccer practice uh, again you can help teach us volleyball people but more just, you know, how to use your time. So Is I'm this the most team. you've ever talked about soccer yes. on this podcast? Okay. Uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> we talk about we've... volleyball. You just don't want to ever see me play. <laughs> um, no, it's selfishly. I think it's also good to hear like how you're going to use your time. Right. I mean, I think all coaches, uh, volleyball coaches, any coach has time constraints and what are you going to prioritize and how are you going to spend your time? So right now we have an hour a week with this eight and nine year olds to prep for a game. Um, yeah. How would you use that hour to, to practice plan? This is your soccer kids again. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, geez, an hour a week is like nothing. Right. Yeah. So, so first of all, you know, you're not coaching future pros when at nine years old, you have an hour a week. Like that's just not what that next level of kid is doing. Right. So, 
so for me, like I think, and I, I think you could do this in volleyball too, but like, I love the model of play practice play. Um, when kids are young, you know, especially like when they're your kids age, Billy. So we, we, we show up and we play, right. We, we start with a game. Why do I do that? Because number one, kids don't show up on time, right? They're not driving themselves. So you can't hold them accountable for it. Um, you know, John, you live in LA, so they're stuck in traffic, right? <laughs> so, so people don't show up on time. Number two, um, you know, they're, they're, they, they just sat in school all day. And so they're mm -hmm. bouncing off the walls. Uh, number three, their parents give them sugar in the car. So they're like, <laughs> they're buzzing, right? And then you're going to bring them in and have them stand in line. Like yeah. no chance, right? And so, so for me, the reality is, as soon as I have two kids, I have a 1v1 game going. So I show up and I build a field. Um, and let's say maybe I have 12 kids on my team, whatever the number is, right? I'll build two times 3v3 fields. And so as soon as I have, you know, two kids, game going. Now it's, and just they're rolling in and I'm handing this kid a penny and this kid not. You're on this team, you're on this team. As soon as I have 4v4, now I have two times 2v2 games. Then everyone gets here. We keep playing. Practice started five minutes ago. We keep playing. We get out that energy. We get out the sugar. Um, I haven't had to explain anything to anyone about the practice yet. Mm -hmm. And now 10, 12, 15 minutes in, stop, get your water. Here's our activity, right? Here's our second activity. And then we play again at the end. You want to see kids show up on time? Scrimmage first. You want to see kids sprint across the parking lot scrimmage first you want to see kids walk across the parking lot have them standing in line being bored to tears right and 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 things like you know with your age kids i mean they don't need to warm up like they don't warm up for recess so like you know just like let them come in and play they can govern their bodies at that age of how hard they can go and then and then so so play break it down play again at the end um, that's how I would always run practices for kids that age. Such a great framework. That's awesome. So you mentioned maybe some of the things that aren't helpful to be yelling from the sidelines, but what are some in-game coaching and like, what does a, a helpful coach sound like in-game? What kind of things are they telling and yelling other kids about? Can you ask a question instead of give a statement? Right. So, I mean, you're coaching five-year-olds, like, you know, stop kicking the other kid is probably a good piece of advice, right? Um, you know, don't use your hands, like whatever it is, like, you know, you're, 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 you're just there as, as they get older. I mean, you know, what I'll ask kids is, you know, what do you see out there? I'm curious what you see. Um, where should you be right now? Things like that, that like get them to think about, because if I say to my left defender, right, pinch in, step up, do all this, I'm, I'm solving the problems. And pretty soon those kids look to the sideline for all the solutions. But when I say, you know, Billy, where should you be right now? And they go, oh God, I got to move up. Now they solved it. And then hopefully someday they'll solve it on their own without my prompt. Now that takes a long time. Um, but I, I, I think that's it. You know, we live in a culture where a lot of our sports, football, basketball, we joystick players around the field, right? We tell them exactly where to run in there. 
well soccer soccer for instance is a game played with freedom and you can't joystick people around so they have to have the intelligence and the understanding to know where to go and, and when to go there so coaching that way i think is an important thing um you know and i mean you might there's going to be times when you know you might say okay we're up two one there's 30 seconds left um can i help a kid understand how to drop back or whatever of course you can you know i'm not saying never but <clears throat> if you're solving all the problems they will never learn if you ask questions and speak to them in a way where they're forced to solve the problems and then they solve them enough times, they'll eventually learn how to solve them without your prompting, in my experience. So great. Such an important skill, problem solving, and I really tried to improve in that area as a coach myself. Um, so how about a post-practice, or sorry, post-match? What is the, you know, maybe an effective debrief? Is it just eating oranges and let's go? Or is there, you know, some tactics and some questions being asked uh this is from a coaching perspective yeah yeah if you're a coach and you're you're looking to do like a post-match debrief you know i mean i've screwed a lot of things up in my life by saying something that made me feel better post-match but didn't really help the kids <laughs> um so i think that one of the things you can do is usually the less you say the better right what has to be said in this moment that can't be said in the hotel that tonight when we're at a tournament or um, before the next practice, when the emotion is out of it, your emotion, their emotion, parents, emotion. Um, and then like when I have conversations with my own children about, you know, how, how they've done and, and with my teams as well, a lot of times I'll be like, okay, you know, so what went well today, right? And, and what needs work and, and what, what can we focus on in practice this week so that we can be better next week right and so that creates this sort of even thing because there's always something that went well and there's always something that needs work um and and then it doesn't just become you know the angry coach when we lose and the happy coach when we win who ignores all the things that we also didn't do well and we just happened to win the game instead of lose the game cool so uh at the end here, before we go, we wanted to get your thoughts on how you'd handle a couple uh, different coaching challenges. Uh, first, do you have any tips for coaching young kids who are easily distracted or who don't listen? Keep them moving and um, <clears throat> keep them, keep the practice flowing, right? Um, so there's, there's lots of reasons why kids are easily distracted or not paying attention, things like that. Now, I do think you can have standards on, on your team. I remember coaching my own, I think it was my daughter's team when she was about five or six. And I'm like, look, I have one rule, which is when I am speaking, you are not right. And that's it. That's, that's my rule. Right. And, and there was a kid who really struggled with that rule. Now that's not her disrespecting me. Clearly she's allowed to talk over her parents at home. And clearly she talks over her teachers at school but it's not okay to disrupt my practice. And so I was clear and I would say enough. And then I would say, please just sit down there on the side until you're, until you're ready to play. And when you want to get back in, we'll get you back in. I don't blame the kid who's standing in line harassing his neighbor because I feel like that's my fault for putting him in a line. All right. Um, 
if we're playing a game, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep the game going. I've got a supply of balls. I've got things moving and, and I'm trying to recognize, you know, why is this working? And I think, you know, like coaching five, six, seven year olds, like this is the hardest coaching out there, right? Cause you have this massive gap between your most focused best kids and the kid who's just there for babysitting. And yet we, who, who gets to coach those kids is like, you know, the least experienced coaches. So I think good, fast moving practices, tag games, things like that, that keep people engaged. Um, I don't like elimination games. So like one of the <clears throat> games that kids like in soccer is to play knockout. I don't know if you've heard that term, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, they all dribble a ball and then try to kick each other's ball out. And then if you get your ball kicked out, well, you lose, you know, you're out until, the last two people are left or whatever. Well, great. Who just got kicked out? The person who needs dribbling the most is now dribbling the least because they're the first one out. So I'll go, if you can get your ball and do two pushups and be back in within 10 seconds, you're back in the game, right? Or something like that. Um, so I, I try not to do things that eliminate them because, you know, that kid who gets kicked out first is the first one who's going to go start throwing grass on someone else. Yeah. And to your point of uh, this age level, I mean, I, I coach every day, you know, an NCAA level team and my hardest hour of coaching of the week is the, the nine you, I mean, it's, it is, it is really challenging. It is really hard to do. And so I think just keep that in mind coaches. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a great, I mean, for anyone here who's also coaching soccer, there's a brand new uh, app. This guy who was the head of Disney made it um, called Mojo, M-O-J-O. And it's a wonderful tool for soccer coaches. It's free. You put in the age of your team, your level of experience as a coach, and it'll spit out all your practices for you. And there's videos and everything. It's, it's the best tool I've seen for, you know, youth rec soccer coaches, especially those who probably understand kids more than they understand soccer. It'll just give you all the things to do. And at the end of practice, it lets you rate, like, how did that go? Was it good? Was it bad? And, depending on how you rate it, it spits out your next practice for you. And so keep the practice moving, play a lot. But when you do have those times where you might want to explain or demo a drill, uh, do you have any tips on how to keep their attention for that brief period? My friend Nick Winkleman says, coach like a caveman, you know, get in, grunt a few things and get them moving again. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, don't, if, if you make more than one point, you've made none. Right. So, so make a point, get them moving and coach that point. This is a huge problem that I see with even really experienced coaches is they make a stoppage, they make a coaching point, and then they restart play and they coach something completely different than the thing they just taught. Right. So you, you think about this of, you know, you're working with five-year-olds and you're saying, uh, all right, when we're dribbling, try to keep your head up. Right. So you don't crash into someone else or whatever. How, how can I keep my head up? Um, so, you know, now you let them play again. Don't sit there and be like, you know, Johnny, bend your knees more. And, and, and David, use both feet. It's like, no, keep your head up. Keep your head up, right? So, so make a point, teach that point, then move on to the next point. Um, I, I think that that's it. But, you know, if you are talking more than 30 seconds, um, you're pretty much toast at kids that age. You've Which lost like them. a caveman. That's good. <laughs> I like the caveman. 
Uh, how about uh, any tips for dealing with a player who has lack of effort in practice? Um, I mean, it's hard because, again, at the level where you guys are, there's some kids who are only there because their parents forced them to play, right? And so they don't mm -hmm. want to be there. And so right. you are doing your best to keep them motivated. So make a game like find things that they like to do. Maybe they want to be the goalie, right? So, okay, good. Go, go be the goalkeeper for an hour or whatever. Um, you know, do you need a rest? Do you need whatever? Can we mix in a race here or something, something like that? Um, and there's so much that goes into why kids aren't trying hard that it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's, I don't care, but sometimes it's, they just don't feel that they're good. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. that they don't, um, they don't like it. Sometimes it's like they have a crappy family life and uh, they only sleep four hours a night and they're allowed to sleep with their devices. And, and so they're just exhausted. Right. And then they just did eight hours in school and they're at your practice. So, you know, trying to get to know that talking to those parents, like, Hey, you know, Jimmy, like, he doesn't seem to try hard. What does he tell you when he gets, you know, when he gets there at the, you know, after practice, does he, does he like it here? Does he not like it here? Um, you know, I mean, do your best to get insight for sure. And, and whatever, for me, a kid who doesn't try hard is one thing for me, a kid who's disrupting everyone else's practice is then I have to say, you know what, like you need to sit down on the side here. Cause it's not fair to these other 11 that you're not paying attention. You're, you're not working hard. We can work around that. You're disrupting people. Now, now you're, you're taking away their time and that's not fair. And you mentioned uh, earlier, kind of one of the challenges of coaching youth sports is you have a wide variety of uh, skill levels. So I guess, how do you navigate that in practice where you can um, challenge the, the better kids and not drown the other ones? There's this theory um, in learning, it's called the slanty line theory, which is like, you guys remember, or you see it with your own kids where like, uh, you know, you, you, it's the old broomstick game where you put the end of a broomstick on the ground and you hold it, the other end up here by your chest and people jump over the broomstick and they get to choose what level they jump over. So they go here and then they challenge themselves and then see how high they can get. Well, can you create practices with that idea in mind? So for example, in soccer, I might do for young kids a, a dribbling game where I have my field and I set up little gates on the field. And I say, okay, right. I, I, in the past, I might say, okay, you have 30 seconds, you have to dribble through 10 gates, right? Go. Now, the kid who's the best, who can do 15, right? At, at, at 10, they're like, oh, this I'm done already, right? The kid who's not very good, who can only do two or three, 10 unachievable. So what I might say instead is, all right, here's the gates, you have 30 seconds, count how many you get, right? And so now we go through and then at the end, I say, stop, Billy, how many? John, how many? John, how many? Jimmy, how many? And we all do it. And what's fun about that is like the first kid will be honest and the second kid will beat him by one. And then by the last kid, he's like 127, you know, and like totally lies to you. But like, so you get this like thing and you say, okay, we're going to do this again. Beat your score by one. Right. And now three is trying to get four and 12 is trying to get 13. So now I've created a level of challenge 
right? For the kid, um, that is equivalent to his or her ability and not some arbitrary number that's unachievable for some and is an underachievement for others. So creating slanty line activities, I think is a great way to, to challenge all levels of learner in that environment. Nice. So you've had uh, so many great guests on your podcast. Uh, I loved your interview with Mark Williams. Uh, you know, obviously Anson Doran, Steve Kerr, many, you know, many others. Is there anything that, that stands out as kind of things that bind together what these like great coaches, great leaders have and what they, they bring to their programs? I mean, yeah, number one, they're like, they're humble learners, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's a professor like Mark Williams or a coach like Steve or Anson, it's like they're, they're, they're constantly learning. They're looking for new ideas. And so I think I see a lot in coaching sort of what I would truly call the elite level of coach has a level of humility and a level of curiosity mm -hmm. that the level below them doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the scariest thing as a parent is to have a coach who knows it all, right? Because then they're done, they're stuck. Um, so that is one of the most consistent things. And then number two, I think it's this, and this would be really from, from the coaches that we've interviewed. It's this understanding of, of that, that the, the core tenet of, of coaching is, is love, right? It's love of your athlete, love of sport, understanding yourself, you know? And so, you know, when you coach from that perspective, you connect deeply, you, you pour into people, you're in it for them, you, you're transformational, not transactional, if you will. And so, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I just think, I think that's it, that that's, and the problem is, you know, you've probably been to, you know, a gazillion volleyball coaching clinics. They never talk about that, right? They mm -hmm. talk about footwork. They talk about stri ball striking. They talk about plays, whatever it is. And yet the things that make coaches the best are, you know, emotional intelligence and empathy. And these, you know, I don't like the word soft skills, but these things that are skills and we can develop and yet they get lip service or, or no service at all. And yet the longer you coach, the more important you realize how important they are. Right. Yeah. Those are two, uh, two huge ones, caring and learning. That's awesome to kind of close this. And last question before we close, I know you guys have done uh, lots of stuff with way of the champions live coaching development and recently you've done more virtual. Is there anything coming up people can sign up for? You know, we just we we just did uh, our big online coaching conference that was usually the in person version, um, and so it was awesome because we had Steve and we had Brad Stevens and Quinn Snyder and Tara Vanderveer and Cindy Timschel. Um, we did a mindfulness piece with this guy George Mumford who worked with Kobe and worked with uh, worked with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and um, so that was the biggest thing. So we actually just released that the videos for that, you know, on the website now, um, which is, which was cool. Um, and then we haven't begun planning next summer yet because I mean, we're hoping to go back live, but you know, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it's, it's still a little scary thing to, to put too much into a live event at this point. And so we usually kind of think about that around, around January, but that's a fun one. And we've had a lot of amazing people from all sports, come to that conference and, and really take a deep dive into connection and leadership and visualization and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's a it's a fast changing world right now. So I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself. Yeah, it's those soft skills. You just mentioned the non-cognitive skills of adaptability, right? Flexibility. We've got to keep uh, training and growing. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Well, this is amazing. We appreciate so much you spending the time with us. Uh, definitely uh, love your podcast and have learned a lot from you and appreciate you spending this time teaching us how to be better youth soccer coaches, but really, I mean, all these messages, messages apply beyond the youth game. They apply to coaching, parenting, being a human. So thank you for all that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. This was a super fun conversation and trust me, coaching five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old soccer. I, I feel your pain. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> awesome guys. This Thanks. is great.